0: Thank you. GameCube. Uh, sorry, GameCube. Best of the Wii. Uh, first Party Games this is a number five. We're talking about uh, the Metroid Prime Trilogy and Metroid Prime 3 Corruption. I'm Zachary Miller here with Dr. Jonathan Metz. Howdy, folks. I think we're probably the two biggest Metroid fanboys on the site. Hmm. Okay. So uh, I, I thought it would be a good idea to have Johnny on. Um, uh, Johnny, tell us about Corruption. What'd you? I, I know you played it probably before anyone else. Well,
1: that's true, Zach. Um, I played it back at E3 2006 when the Wii was first uh, shown and playable to the press. Had an interview with Retro Studios that year where they talked about it at some length. And at that time, they were planning for it to be a Wii launch title. Hmm. Now We were, I'll say, a little incredulous that that would actually happen because it's a very big, complex game. And seemed to be very, you know, high production quality. Seemed to be doing a lot of interesting things with the with the Wii Remote that other demos at the at at the show that year were not doing. Um, the demo that they had was primarily the uh, the sequence where you're falling down the corridor after Ridley, which is yeah. I'd say like the maybe a third of the way into the game.
0: Oh, that's at, that's before you uh, go out with the other bounty hunters. That's really quick. Oh, okay. That's it. That's, that's at the end of that opening area.
1: Oh you're right, you're right, you're right. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. But it is a cool scene.
1: Yeah, it is. And it was very showy, looked awesome. Uh, you know, and it and it would it's it really showcased the pointer functionality because you weren't you know you were moving around a little bit with joystick, but you weren't really moving Samus around like normal. Right. Yeah. And it lets you focus on uh on on learning to shoot. I think it was a good choice for them. So uh, you know, we were excited by that, but of course they had footage and, and we, we had a very good idea of what this game would play like outside of that special sequence, and we knew that it would be a real Metroid Prime game. It was uh, only two years since Metroid Prime Echoes, and that game had not performed all that well in in sales. Uh but I think it,
0: but, but didn't it come out at the same time as Halo Two?
1: Came out on the same day
0: as Halo yeah, two. Yeah, same day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it, it ended up selling not nearly as well as Metroid Prime 1. And and to be fair, a lot of copies of, of the first Metroid Prime were given away for free with that promotion that that Nintendo did with GameCube when you bought the system. Um, but it, it sold really well also, and it sold over a million copies, and Echoes didn't do nearly that well. So I think they were trying to think of a few things that would maybe be a little more appealing, just change it up, make it seem... I don't know if they wanted to make it more like a first-person shooter, but at least appeal more to that crowd. At least try to get those people's attention without messing with the core of the game. And I thought they did a nice job. I mean, Metroid Prime 3 is definitely more action-oriented than the first two games. And not only that, I think I mean the first two games certainly have lots of action. And I think the action in Metroid Prime 3 generally comes across as being a little more elegant a little smoother, a little more responsive, and I think there's less fighting with the controls. Uh, and and you know that's impressive considering it was one, even in summer of 2007, late summer, it was still one of the first games to really use the first-person shooter Wii Remote control style that you now know from a lot of other games. This was before The Conduit, before Call of Duty came to the system. Uh, well, before it was before the main Call of Duty games, I guess Call of Duty Heroes two or whatever was before that. But this was the first major game that really showed off how to how to do it with the bounding box and with you know a few different control settings that let you adjust the sensitivity. And it was a, it was a big step and it worked really well.
0: It did. Uh, I and you know we'll talk about it a little later or the trilogy a little later. But when they brought the uh, corruption Controls over to Prime 1 and 2, I, th- I thought those games played much better.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that I agree on that point, because those games weren't designed for that control scheme in the first place. Yeah. So, if you just simply prefer Pointer Controls, then you're going to prefer playing those games with Pointer Controls. Yeah. I tend to think uh, different games respond differently to different control schemes, and so I think the first two games play fine with the Pointer Controls, but... I I I played through the first two. I played mostly through Prime 2 actually on the trilogy cuz it, it had been longer since I'd played that one. Yeah. Um and uh and, and I found that the controls I didn't really have to think about it that much cuz I was already used to them from playing Corruption. Right. But mainly I played through that game again cuz I wanted to see how they'd adjusted the difficulty in a couple places, which was smart. Was a good thing to do. And also wanted to play it in widescreen and with all the other m- very minor but but meaningful tweaks that Retro had made when they did the trilogy collection.
0: Yeah, I th- I think the only the only thing that really kind of uh, threw me for a loop was switching visors and beams. That that wasn't nearly as smooth as just hitting the D pad.
1: I agree. It's one of those things where if the you know if the remote or the nunchuck had had a few more buttons, they probably would have put that on buttons.
0: Yeah, but uh, Corruption, I I really like it because it. Um, you know, I have problems with, with Echo's pacing, and I felt like Corruption kind of, I feel like it's it's more related to the first game in terms of exploration and pacing. Um, it's, it's much more linear. That bugs me. Um, and you can't, you can't, I mean, you're going through distinct planets instead of finding shortcuts between areas. Um, but... You know, I I like it. I really love the art art direction, especially that steampunk world you go on. Actually, my favorite. Oh,
1: I I like a lot of levels in the game, but I think my favorite is the world where it's kind of half and half, like it's half half fire, half ice. And oh, the re- the reptilian world. Yeah, and I love the architecture there, where they have these giant lizard statues of their ancestors all over the place. You know. Yeah. Um. They're just the even the staging area where your where your ship lands there's not that much to do in that area before you kind of start going down corridors and and out into the world but that area is so incredibly gorgeous and it's, there's so much unique artwork that only exists in that one room yeah. i just i love that that's the that's the attention to detail and the care that retro puts in their games that i i just love and i love in you know in the first person view you can really kind of go all the way around this stuff, and you can really see it from a lot of different angles and just take your time and appreciate it, which yep. you can't really do in a game like Donkey Kong Country Returns. There's a lot of yep. detail in that game, but it's so fast-paced, and all that stuff is literally in the background that yep. it's it's harder to appreciate that stuff. And Metroid really gives you the, the freedom and the control to just walk right up to something that looks cool and just stare at it and admire it. I love yep. that.
0: Yeah, I do too. But, I mean, in terms
1: of the, the world design, I'd say... The first game, you know, even though it is one continuous world, the, these elevators sort of link everything, and there's usually two or three different ways in and out of each area, but the areas are more or less self-contained. So you yeah. can go into it and feel like, well, I, this is kind of a manageable size, right? And I think one of the problems with Echoes is that, especially because there's the light world and the dark world, it gets really confusing. You know, going right. back and forth. The puzzles require you to go back and forth a lot. You've got basically two maps layered on top of each other, and it's very clever. And I don't think anybody can argue with that. But it at is. some no, point, it's, it becomes it's a little, really
0: good des- level design.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it, but at some point, it becomes a little overwhelming. You know, sure. and sometimes you, by the time you get halfway to where you're going, you forget where you were going because the route is so complicated. And it takes so much of your attention just to keep moving. And the game's really hard, so you have to kind of really stay on your guard the whole time, too. You know, with Corruption, I think their idea was, let's move it back towards the design of the first game, where each region is more or less self-contained and is a little bit easier to process. And let's do it in a way that doesn't feel formulaic. Because the first two games, they just plop Samus on some planet you've never heard of and say, here's your planet. Sure. And if they did that three times in a row, it would probably start to feel really formulaic. So the idea here was to increase the scope of the game and make it feel like now you're exploring a whole galaxy and there's all these other characters and there's a bigger conflict here and there's story and there's dialogue. And to make it feel like you're really like the game's really bigger than its predecessors, even though yeah. the amount of the the amount of place that you can explore is really not any bigger. It's just more segmented. It's more divided up because there aren't these links from one region to the next like there were in the other games.
0: It's, it's more obviously distinct. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's fundamentally not that much different than especially the first Metroid Prime, but it's, it doesn't hide the, the cracks quite as well. Um, right. It's, it's sort of points them out it's really obvious about hey these places aren't even really connected at all we're just going to put you in the ship so we can do a loading screen right and and i love this it it, it does have a very much a stronger sci-fi feel to it because you spend more time in samus's ship you spend more time in these different space stations whereas the first two games the you know the whole premise is you're sort of dumped on this planet that's more or less organic and primitive you know maybe there's some remnant of ancient chozo technology there but it's mostly kind of buried in they feel more archaeological and that you're exploring these caves it's very natural in some yeah. cases they've been invaded by these evil space pirates the third game i mean you go to places that are f- fairly active places you know where they're, they're space station bases and things like that and it, the, the whole game just has a much stronger uh more
0: blatant sci-fi feel to it and well especially the space pirate planet which sure. is never named and that bugged me, but stuff's going on there <laughs> all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and there's the uh there's the base that you that you open the game in. Um there there's just a lot of stuff like that. And um uh, there's even a space station that you visit towards the end of the game that's you know, where you got places that are in vacuum and
0: That's where all your keys come in handy. Right. All the uh battery cells. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I, I, I like that idea. What I don't like is the story that they tell. I mean, I think the idea of showing the origin of Mother Brain is really cool. Yeah. And especially, this they kind of really mess with your head because throughout most of the game, these Mother Brain-looking things are really your guide. They're your main source of information. You really have to follow their their guidance and do what they say in order to make the game go forward. And you just have this feeling constantly that something really bad is going to happen and one of these things is going to turn against you.
0: Right. And
1: it finally does at the end. And you know, I, I, I love that. I don't love the other bounty hunters. I, I feel like that was oh, a really neither. misguided attempt to I don't know, develop some kind of continuity with the uh, with the DS game. Hunters or Oh they're well, not the it, same. You know, if
0: you get a hundred percent of the game, the final uh final scene at the end of the credits is Samus's ship is being followed by a ship from hunters. Oh really? Yeah, which I mean, is stupid. They're not the same bounty hunters, but
1: you know, I I always felt like you know, yes, the old Metroid NES game manual described Samus as being a bounty hunter, but they'd never really followed up on that very much. No. And I'm not saying they should retcon it out of the character's history, but I kind of felt like they they didn't really need to explain that any more than it was already explained. And no. a, a bounty—I mean, quite frankly, bounty hunters don't really work in teams like that, you know. Especially, you can imagine a space bounty hunter like Han Solo, not interested in teaming up with other bounty hunters. You know, he right. wants it all for himself. So let let's just take it on face value that Samus is doing this out of some kind of sense of personal gain. But occasionally her her ethics um, overtake that and she does what she just thinks is the right thing to do. But I don't like the idea that she's working for this space government and, you know, the Galactic Federation. I don't like the idea right. that she's working with other bounty hunters. That doesn't even make sense on the face of it. And I don't like the idea that they're all talking to her and calling her Sammy all, and stuff like they that. They all it's know really her. Obnoxious. They all know
0: each other. Yeah. The thing that bugged me about the other bounty hunters was... You know, the second that cinematic started where they all get in a room and talk to that general from Texas, uh, I knew right then, those are the bosses. I, I know I'm going to have to fight them.
1: Because they're so distinct. Like, the the design of the characters just kind of screams, hey, these guys are going to be bosses. They're not, they're not the biggest bosses in the game, but they're no. some of them, you know.
0: Yeah, they're they're almost mini-bosses for
1: everything else. And those but...
0: fights are really cool. Oh, they are. They're challenging, they're interesting, they're all
1: different, you know, and the and the characterizations, you know, because they get corrupted by the on, so their characterizations are interesting to see before and after. Sure. But I, I don't like their, the way that they interact with Samus feels really out of place with the character as you know her. And yeah. it doesn't really feel like an improvement,
0: right? No, no.
1: So that's my problem with it. But I do think just mechanically, and to me, Metroid is all about the mechanics. I mean, I think the atmosphere is a lot, a lot. But the story of Metroid, I never cared about really yeah. I care more about the mood and I care about more about the gameplay. And I think the gameplay in Corruption is is really interesting because they start you out with most of the powers that you had at the end of Echoes. Yep. Not not the light and the dark stuff. It makes sense for them to get rid of that cuz it, it, that really only was needed on that one planet. Right. But maybe the stuff you have at the end of the First Prime is maybe yeah. that's a better way to put it. But you start out really powerful and you have the corruption suit which lets you go into this crazy, you know, phase on mode, hyper mode and and just deal crazy amounts of damage but then there's this kind of risk reward thing and you know there sometimes you have to do it in order to proceed even though it might feel like you don't want to because it feels like a like a naughty thing to do right <laughs> yeah so and you know you every time you find energy tanks it it means you can use that power more as well as you just have more energy. So yeah. that's a big twist on the gameplay, and you don't use it all the time, but you use it enough that it, it feels like a really cool new power, and you just start the game out with that. And then from there, they add on even more and more and more. And then all the other power-ups they give you are things you've never done before.
0: Like the grapple beam? or gra- Well, it's not called the grapple beam in the game. It's grapple lasso or lasso beam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, you know, the problem... Um, I think I think we probably talked about this way back when in an episode of RFN, but uh, to me, Corruption feels like the game that gives you a lot of new powers that just end up being keys, because uh, a lot of your, your new powers that you get from real bosses are just new hyper-mode powers, and they're basically used to unlock stuff or unlock doors in the game, and they don't have any use in combat.
1: Oh, they do, though. I mean, you can use them in combat. I thought the uh, hyper-ball, where you go into the morph ball and you're... You basically just have these kind of spider tentacles of energy coming out of the Morph Ball. And they just sort of destroy anything that's even remotely close to you.
0: Oh, dude, I've never tried that.
1: Yeah, that, it's really useful for getting rid of smaller enemies if they're swarming around you. Oh, Very, cool. very useful for that. And you can still, you know, it's a great thing about the Morph Ball, it's really fast. So you can still keep moving while you do that, while you lay waste all these enemies. So you all can right get on. out of trouble while killing a few of the guys on your way out. Cool. Yeah, you can use all that stuff in a practical sense. I mean, I think there, there's something funny about the game where they – the game actually allows you to use hyper mode a lot. It does. And it makes it – it's actually a very useful tool, but the way it's explained within the context of the story makes you not want to use it because it feels like it's dangerous or it, it feels like yeah. it's, it's a bad thing to do.
0: Well, the first time you see a galactic soldier use it, he dies. Right, exactly. And I, I think that's a, a mistake on
1: Retro's part. They give you these really cool powers, including the Phazon, the hyper missiles, and the hyper uh, ball, and, and all that stuff that you get from the, the bosses. And then they don't – they they kind of dissuade you psychologically from ever really taking full advantage of that stuff, even though it's very, very useful. And it's, for the most part, completely safe to use yeah. over and over again. So it's a it's something that it actually took me the second time of me playing through the game before I really felt comfortable using hyper mode just whenever you know yeah, and when you do that, the game feels even a little more balanced although it's it's it, to begin with more balanced than the original version of Metroid prime two i think sure yeah it's a it's a really great game and and it boy it does feel it was a long time ago two thousand seven this game came out, yeah, and then you know we had other m since then which really is something completely different yeah. um retro hasn't made a, hasn't worked on a metro game as far as we know since 2007 and i certainly don't think corruption you know felt like an end point to the series i mean i think it, it wraps up to, towards the end and you yeah you it know. wraps up the phase storyline right 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 uh which i'm fine with i think phason is a cool concept but i think they stretched it just about as far as you could possibly stretch it.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it belonged in in Echoes. I felt like it they shoehorned it into Echoes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I agree. I mean, other than you know, Dark Samus makes sense, but beyond that, yeah. I didn't really think they needed Phazon other than that character. But um, you know, I I think there's a lot more retro could do with the franchise,
0: and Definitely. I I
1: especially like to see what they could do in HD. On a new system and having mm. five, six years of hindsight over the lessons that they learned doing uh, Corruption, which is a very, very good game, it wasn't a yep. huge sales success, but I think it did better than Echoes. And it, looking back on the system, I don't really think there's anything like it.
0: You know? No, there's not. There's not. It, it really
1: does feel just unique and, and on its own. And I mean, when the game first came out, and I saw how beautiful it was and how how smoothly it controlled and played and how complex it was, I was afraid that they were going to try to make it a little more casual for the Wii, but they really didn't. it's still a, it's it's very uh, deep and long and complicated game, and it, it really has all those things you want from a Metroid game. and yeah. it made me so excited to think what else could be done in in this field. and um, you know, the closest thing I can think of is other M, which really isn't much like it at all. Yeah. so um, I, I really hope they will come back to it at some point and, and sort of pick up where they left off and, and do more of this but yeah it's, it's certainly one of my favorite Wii games and uh, and I'm glad it made the list um, and you know I think if you don't already have Corruption and you can find a copy of Trilogy which is probably kind of hard to find nowadays but if you can find yeah. a copy of it that is definitely the way to go because it has the exact same version of Corruption plus I think they added one extra difficulty level to they it they
0: did yep they added an extra
1: difficulty to all three. Right, yeah. And then you have the, the greatly enhanced versions of the first two games, uh, which are certainly easily both within my top five GameCube titles.
0: So oh, easily. You
1: just won't find a much better package of, of video games on any system. And uh, there's so, I mean, for a long time, the trilogy was my number one most played Wii title. Because I'd played two hour games on it and before, until Xenoblade finally came out. There wasn't, there aren't that many games on Wii that you can play for fifty hours, uh, sure. even hundred hours probably. So uh, it's a spectacular value. It's a really wonderful package. The uh, I mean the collector's edition stuff with the tin uh, game, you know, the game box yeah. and uh, the poster inside. Mine came with a T-shirt. Um, it's just fantastic presentation, wonderful enhancements they made to the first two games and to have them right all there on the same disc is just awesome.
0: Yeah, and I uh, uh we're running long so I'll close it out but I did want to say that I recently replayed Prime 1 on the trilogy uh, and that game still looks gorgeous. It's our game of the decade. It is our game of the decade but it's just amazing. It's from 2002 or 2003 uh, and it still looks just phenomenal
1: yeah
0: i i can't believe it so
1: yeah
0: it's it's because the the art direction is so strong yeah, that's exactly it, right it was
1: technically amazing e- even back in 2002 but the art direction is so prominent and and it really just doesn't look like anything that had ever come out before that and so it'll, it'll always look good
0: always yeah. i think that's maybe my problem with echoes is that you know the light world kind of looks the same but then the dark world looks the same uh and and there's not as much differentiation in the environments uh or the individual uh sectors of of that planet as uh prime one or corruption hmm. so maybe i need to replay that game um it's been a while
1: well the trilogy version is the way to do it
0: oh yeah for sure definitely so there you have it folks that's our number five Metro prime corruption slash the trilogy uh if you don't have corruption, but go buy the trilogy. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, uh, if you can find it, like Johnny said. So there you go, folks. Uh, signing off, Zach Miller and Dr. Johnny Metz. Bye. Bye.